leader not just have to believe in change, but have to believe change is constant. Change is there. If you don't manage change, change will manage. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is J.R. Flatter, your host of the podcast, Building a Coaching Culture. I'm here with my co-host and sidekick, Lucas. Welcome back, Lucas. Hello. Just got back into the country. Yep. Coming from Colombia for a couple days. We're real excited today. I have a special guest, Mr. Rod Owina. And Rod, we're going to give you plenty of time to introduce yourself. But I just want to remind everybody, uh, why are we here? We're here to talk about building a coaching culture. And the building piece is building your leadership bench, building the depth and strength of leadership inside your organization. Coaching, uh, how do you access world-class coaches, but also how do you build coaches within your own organization? And then finally, culture development. What is culture all about? What kind of culture do you need in the 21st century? Our intended audience are leaders of any complex organization that need to attract and retain the world's best talent. And we think the way to do that is build a coaching culture and lead with a coaching leadership style. So with that, Rod, I'm going to pass the floor over to you and let you brag about yourself a little bit so everybody can get to know you and what you're all about. Thank you, Jeff. My name is Rod Awina, and I've been with Flatter for about eight years now. And that's my second engagement with Flatter. So we did uh, work together back way back in Iraq, where I'm originally from. And um, we uh, took care of a significant project back in uh, in, in 2008, 2009, in the United States, we worked with the Department of Defense in several programs and projects. My background, uh, I have a bachelor's in fi- finance and accounting, and then I'm working on my MBA right now, which is focused on project management and finance as well. I like more to be on the field, work on projects, work on change. I like change uh, and I like to work on different projects that starts and ends. I work on a project that led to Meet You, JR. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was a great project with a great opportunity to see you and meet you or work with you, which was the establishing the financial infrastructure in Iraq, uh, the Iraqi payment system that was funded by the Treasury and implemented by uh, a U.S. firm. But the implementation led to meet with you where we wanted to utilize that system. So the system was there, but was not being utilized. So our project was to make the entire country and the population uh, to get to use to to the banking industry and move from cash to banking systems. And that was our project back in Iraq, which required a lot of change management and a little bit of coaching, although the coaching concept way back when, to me, was not how I understand it today. 
but it, it took a lot of coaching to the people in Iraq so they can see why banking and the modern financial systems better than cash. Looking back now, we use a lot of coaching skills in this project, but I never you know, got to link the dot between my understanding of coaching right now and what we did in Iraq. And then uh, I've got my visa to come to the United States with your help. And thank you so much again for this tremendous help. When I came to the United States, I, um, I did have this dream already back in my high school days and even middle school days. But I never thought about an actual strategy. So uh, start realizing this in my, maybe my early career in project management where why would I want to go to the United States? It was just a dream. And, and, but I start talking with my wife about it, you know, my family, and see if they support me in this decision, leaving them and moving to a new country. A lot of unknowns, how to be successful, what to do, what right, what wrong. So I learned a lot. Uh, this is something I use uh, a lot, uh, journaling my thoughts and journaling my discussion with my wife and, and comparing this, what's what I'm doing to my strategy. What do I need to do? What mm. programs are there? What type of help I need to do? What do I have to do myself so I can align myself into an immigration status? And uh, and then what what do I do there? How to be successful? I just don't want to go there and, and not not knowing what's in the other side. So I told my wife always I wanted to go and keep my white collar career and grow it. Mm-hmm. And she supported me on that, of course. I still remember I put USA and then listed the immigrant immigration programs there and and how to get there, what the requirement for each program, what steps, timelines. It's like planning for a project, which it was. And one day I had the Pentagon as a background in my screen. So I told my wife, well, what, do you know what the, this building is? She said, uh, no. I told her this is the Pentagon. And uh, she goes like, why do you have it in your background, the screen? I said, I'm going to work in the Pentagon. <laughs> and she just laughed at me. She's like, hey, you're crazy. It was a couple of years later, I got my visa, moved. I continued working with the, with the same project, with, which is a flatter hat. So I, I had to go to the Pentagon for a few meetings. And, and I told my wife, remember that. So she, she mm-hmm. said, I know. The story is like how to make a strategy happen is how to think about it every day, have a plan, think about what, what the requirements are, and, and work every day, discuss it with your family, discuss it with your loved ones to see if they support it or not. And see if, if you have the, not just the will, but the ability to do it. And if I lack some of the ability, what do I need to do to cover those gaps so I can make this step forward? So, and then we made it and uh, in the United States, about a year working here in the United States, there is a new project to do the same work that we've done uh, in Iraq to establish and strengthen the financial infrastructure for Afghanistan. So I, uh, I picked up a project and we did go there. It was easier because I've done it before now. And uh, I have a lot of lessons learned, a lot of benchmarking. We didn't have to do a lot of innovation th- thinking and creative thinking like we did in Iraq. 
So it was an easy one, but it took a little bit longer time because of the infrastructure in the country was a little bit different. But I learned a lot about project management, strategy, stakeholder management, and coaching. That was uh, really significant to, because you're, you're changing mindsets, you're changing cultures, and coaching, I figure the only way is to have the buy-in from the stakeholders, the beneficiaries from the, those countries to be open and try to use the new technologies, the new system, the new culture, and accept it. So I figured coaching was one of the essential tools that made us successful to implement such culture-changing projects. And uh, came back from Afghanistan. We gained a lot of experience dealing with technology. So we we picked up a lot of technology projects with the Department of Defense. And we developed a lot of software applications. And I really enjoyed the project management of technology projects. And then the transition we led from waterfall to agile style and and the collaboration and small sprints, which, again, coaching was... uh, very relevant to how to collect your requirements, listen to the leaders, listen to the stakeholders, to the users, and uh, implement these small sprints and how to lead your intergenerational teams from Jay-Z all the way to baby boomers and what type of leadership tools to use in order to you know, collaborate and work with those teams and bring them all together. And I found coaching was really, really effective tool beside servant leadership to help the agile teams to be working together collaboratively, successfully, transitioning to a virtual environment that was forced to us uh, because of the pandemic. And I found teams who already established in a collaborative environment with coaching cultures established have been really successful especially if their leaders believe in coaching, believe in collaboration, believe in servant leadership, those teams were really successful. Virtual and technology was just the infrastructure, but the culture is really, really essential of of the success of project teams. So I, I really enjoyed all of this journey with Flatter, with the company, with, with a lot of teams that we worked together and, uh, Finally, I'm, I've, I've got my uh, MBA almost to the very end. I'm working on my final project right now and uh, scheduled for hopefully for graduation by the end of February once I deliver all of my requirements and my projects and a lot of writing. But um, I'm really uh, happy to see myself in, in this stage right now where, you know, finishing my academic journey but picking up on a new mindset, which is servant leadership, intergenerational leadership, and, uh, and coaching culture, how to build coaching culture, how to establish this across teams and, and, and utilize it as a tool to facilitate success for uh, you know, people and societies and, and, and teams. So that's my journey, uh, career journey. Uh, immigration journey. I have my wife here with me, so she's also with me all the way. And we always talk about families, work, self-balance. 
And we manage this balance together. And I realized after I start learning about these concepts that, you know, I did it naturally because of our relationship, me and my wife. But it's very essential. If you don't have the family support to where you want to head or where you want to go, it's not going to work. Otherwise, you'll end up either by yourself in the road or uh, somebody's not happy, which uh, which is not a successful team this way. That's another concept that, you know, and if family, work, self. And uh, I'm from naturally doing it to deliberately thinking about it and doing it and even better and, you know, managing this balance and making sure we're all together as a family. And as like you probably know, JR, she's just got accepted for her PhD. So she's very excited. She started and she already got three credits done. And then she's working on three more credits from her previous career jobs and, and uh, master's degree. So we're very excited for this. And uh, my daughters, that's very important because one of my goals of to come to the United States, besides, you know, I love the country, is that I wanted my generation to be better than me and, and, and my wife. So my, what we bring to the society is, is more productive, better than us. So that's, that's my thought, you know, to have a better generation and hopefully they will have even better. And that's how societies and, and cultures develop to the better. I'm looking forward to continue enjoying, you know, working with you, JR, and Lucas and everybody here and enjoy to see my family grow with me as well. Yeah, what an incredible story. What an incredible journey. Thank you. There's a lot of stories behind the scenes that you and I have that are secrets. But I wanted to jump to Lucas and say, Lucas, you work with Rod. Describe for me his leadership style as you've worked with him all these years. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I guess my journey like in uh, my career started in, in 2014 when I graduated. Um, later that year, started working at the... DOD doing web applications and Rod was actually the project manager at the time. So I would say there was a learning curve for myself back then, you know, first professional job. So at the time I, I felt like Rod kind of met me where I was and, you know, I wasn't the as mature as you see me now, you know, <laughs> buttoned up and everything. So, <laughs> I mean, some things, you know, he was really patient in that regard, but then as I continue developing and, you know, maturing myself, he's also evolving the way that our relationship is. And he's been kind of not just a manager, but, you know, helping me in different ways and mentoring me in different ways. So that's been really helpful. I guess that's the main aspect. Just he kind of knows where I am and through conversations and getting to know me and to change his approach. And it never feels like it's, you know, he's just reading a textbook and saying, okay, I should treat my employees this way. It's always very personal. Yeah, I just saw you guys coming back from lunch today. That was, warms my heart to <laughs> see that. Staged. <laughs> and uh, Rod, it strikes me that you're a global leader. You led at home, you led in Baghdad, you led in Afghanistan. Now you're a very, very successful leader here and a very, very successful coach. How do you bridge all those cultures and all those intergenerational challenges? Like there's three different generations right here and you're leading all three of us. So talk to us about what goes on in your mind and 
on purpose or naturally? So uh, naturally uh, and on purpose come together is to accept the idea of diversity. Mm. And, and, you know, it's working with Lucas, working with intergenerational folks from different generations, people from different cultures, from different origins, accept this and not just accept it, but believe that you can be even more powerful leader with all of these colors of uh, cultures and backgrounds, because that's where you get different ideas, different thoughts, different perspectives. And if you praise this, not just accept it, but praise it and encourage it. I found myself that, you know, I got in turn accepted by my teams, whether uh, if it was a project that we do here or whether overseas, not just Afghanistan, Iraq, we've done, you know, a lot of testing, a lot of our uh, environmental testing and, and uh, training and all of these kind of like project activities in the Middle East, in different areas, in Dubai, in Turkey, in Jordan. We did a lot of work in those countries. And accepting different cultures and praising different cultures, you will see this in naturally in return. And you'll see people, teams will be willing to work with you. And when they understand the intent, like my intent is to make sure that they, are, they have what they need to be successful, whether it's education, whether it's a certificate needed, whether it's a, a training that we need to provide to bridge any technical gaps for the team to work successfully. When they, they see this, they do in return believe in you as a leader and they want you to be successful. So they believe this plan and this leader works with us and helping us. And we want to make sure we're successful as well because it, it, it returns to everybody, whether it's a, you know, a financial return or whether it's a, another opportunity, whether it's a career growth. So they believe that there's a good reason and, and good intent behind this uh, relationship. So diversity, inclusion, and accepting this idea and, and actually praising it, encouraging mm. and open the door to people. And, and sometimes you see somebody from a culture that, you know, they think that it's not good to talk a lot, but if you give them the, the chance or the opportunity to talk and, and talk about what you think and what, what, what they think and what, what ideas they may have, you may see new ideas. You may see new kind of like, you know, methodologies or, you know, new ways to implement, uh, do work. And, and you can see new stuff from them that they can you know, bring to the table. This empowers the team, empowers the, the leader as well. So believe in your team, they'll believe in you. Be open to the team, they'll be open to you. Work hard for their success, they'll work hard for the project success and for your success as well. So it's a mutual relationship. That's the way I see it. What really resonates there is, you know, like, being able to make it like a point of positivity, like praising, praising that communication and perspective, because, you know, if you're not sharing that positive feedback and like making that part of the conversation, then it's, then people aren't as open when there's, you know, 
things that you need to change or criticism or this and that. So that's pretty important. So one of the things we talk about, and I hear you saying a lot, is this intersection of the personal and the professional. You know, we're in the 21st year of the, well, no, we're in the 23rd year of the 21st century. I got it backwards. And they're so intertwined right now that it's challenging to even attempt to separate them. Talk to us about some of the ways that you encourage and support personal and professional achievement as a leader of a complex organization. We all have our, you know, professional lives and, and, uh, and personal lives. And we have our hobbies, our uh, desires for, you know, personal uh, projects or personal things we wanted to do. I mean, it's interconnected and not maybe like for example how, how to it's, it's hard to explain it uh, but I'm let me think about you know going to work and managing work and career growth career goals and then personal desires and personal goals I don't know how to explain but to me it's all together my hobbies is to travel for example and my wife we love to travel and how, how to make some time and, and to how to make some, you know, plans to, you know, accomplish this personal slash family hobby to travel the world. It requires time, requires money, requires planning. And you, you have your professional life, you have your all, all what's going on and how to balance these together. I, I think balancing those two is uh, the best way to put it together because I was thinking what what you know the best word to connect the professional and, and the personal life and, and and goals it's 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 actually balancing them together and even though they might be totally different maybe a doctor loves fishing totally different but it doesn't mean they work, don't work together but it's just balance this life and personal uh, desires and, and, and work maybe that way. So I, I, that's the only thing I can see. How about you, Lucas? I know you just got back from a trip. How important is that to you to do those kinds of things and yet still deliver excellence at work? I mean, everybody needs to, you know, disconnect at certain times. And you want somebody to come back on Monday or after a trip and feel energized and like they want to give 100% at work. but in order to get that level of performance, you really need to be able to take care of yourself and spend time with your loved ones and, you know, go, go fishing and all that. So yeah. And think about it kind of like, you know, you're raising a kid going to school and school's their job, but, but you're going to use their like hobbies and interests to encourage them. And, you know, you don't want it to interfere with their school. So I'm not going to say like, (laughs) Oh, Rod, I'm going to take off next week. And, you know, a drop of the hat. But at the same time, you know, if you know I need to go to Columbia to visit Lena and my son, my wife and son, then we plan it and we figure it out. And then, you know, I'm I'm back and 100% now and I feel great. So I think that's kind of the balance there. For me, from, from an owner's perspective and a chairman's perspective and the chief learning officer, it's the difference between celebrating your personal and accepting your personal like oh you're gonna do what you're gonna go to florida for 14 days and you're not gonna be here to serve me and that's not a coaching culture 
But, oh, you're going to go to Florida. You're going to have a great time. And I want to hear all about it when you get back. That's what we mean by a coaching culture, celebrating the personal and the professional. Your daughters are in college or getting ready to go into college. or You have a new child. So one of the things we do to this day, and I had a, a, an accountant early on in the company, strongly recommend we stop doing this. We send birthday cards, handwritten birthday cards, anniversary cards for the children, birthday cards, celebrating graduations, and the celebrating the hard times as well. That's part of how you get that world-class coaching culture that we're talking about. Do you celebrate those things or do you begrudgingly accept them? It's not a secret to anyone that we're in a hyper-competitive labor market. Rod, you try to recruit people every day. Uh, Lucas, you as well. Is a hyper-competitive market. And how do you make that differentiation? This is one of those ways. People want to come to work. Most of us have a gigantic W in our life for most of our life. That's one of the realities of being a grown-up. But can you enjoy that gigantic W and have a family and have a self? So, hey, Rod, I wanted to go back a little bit. You talked about change management uh, a couple of times. And I distinctly remember meeting you, not like it wasn't a significant event, but your reaction when I described what we were going to attempt to do was priceless to me. We just met each other. We come from two very different places in the world. And I told you something to the effect of, we have a blank chalkboard. We have no guidance <laughs> other than our imaginations. And this is what we need to accomplish. So talk us through that process of how you pencil to chalkboard or whatever the analogy would be. And we started forming that plan and then went and executed. It was really phenomenally successful. So talk us through that process. Okay, so change, change management. First of all, leader, not just have to believe in change, but have to believe in change is, is constant. Yeah. Change is there. If you don't manage change, change will manage you and kick you off of the road. Because especially now with, with, the, with, with today's world, not even like 20, 30 years ago, with technology evolving and getting into every aspect in our lives and technology is changing every, maybe every minute is changing. Every minute there's a new idea somewhere in the world that's taken over and uh, if you, as a leader, if we don't believe in change or if we resist change, then I'll say good luck. So, mm -hmm. so I think some leaders are naturally, you know, like change. And that's why we see people like to work on projects and other people like to work in constant operational environment, which is will have less change, but there's no, no change. There's always change. Even if we talk about some industries that, you know, did not have a lot of impact or a lot of interactions with change, but they do now because of technology is getting everywhere into industry, into agriculture, into even leadership and every single concept of, or, or industries, uh, you, you see technology there and what we call uh, Hyper competitive and, and the hyper competitive. What is this? It's change, change. So if a leader don't believe in this or refuses this, that's 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 not going to lead to anywhere. So welcoming change 
uh, and, and, and accepting, you know, that we, we got to manage this. That's, you, you get this off the road. You, you, now you get a focus, you believe in your project, and you believe that in your capabilities, you have to assess self as well, because always we need to mm. make sure that we have the knowledge we need to have, the, the, the resources we need to have, the team we need to have, so we can manage a change or manage a project, basically. We always talk about will and capability. So will is, you know, the will to accept the change and, and, and make the change, and then the capability to, am I able to do this? What do I need to do? What resources I need to do this? What expertise I need? What type of teams? What type of technology I need to make this change? And then we move from these high-level thoughts to basically develop a work breakdown structure to see what do we need to do to accomplish this. And then we talk about more details. I remember the, all the charts that we developed, all the way to the very detailed activities to what X needs to do every day. So it contributes to that big work breakdown structure. And then now you know all what you need to do and how long each one of these activities needs to take. Now you can build your schedule, the big picture. And and then you know your resources, you know have your, your schedule, you have a great project plan to kick off now. But again, you have to have also the leadership. Project is not just telling people what to do and, and, and let go. You have to have leadership skills to manage your team, support your team, empower your team, serve your team as a leader to make sure they have all what they need to be successful to their expectations and build these relationships with your team and then with the external stakeholders, the beneficiaries, the users, build this relationship. Because even if you have the best project plan in the world, without these harmony and relationships internally and externally, there is no way that you know this project can be done the way it could have been with all of these you know positive uh, harmony and support because you're never going to buy in from somebody that you don't have a relationship. How are they going to believe you? How are they going to think that you're the best one that can do this project? How they can believe in this without a relationship so they can know you, they, they believe in you, and then they, they can trust you as well because it's all of this inter personal work require trust. How Lucas can trust me that I can manage this project successfully so he can work hard on it. How JR can trust me so he can pick me as a project manager for this project. This is all about trust, about relationships, about harmony. And that's where communication comes in place. That's where understanding cultures and being open to cultures, accepting cultures, diversity, and inclusion these all come to place as side kind of like tools or concepts to support. These are infrastructures that you can build. And, and so you, you, your project and your team can work together. So it's not easy. No, thank you for that. Lucas, you're a computer scientist in the 21st century. I know you've stared at a couple of blank chalkboards in your day. What <laughs> thoughts do you have for our listeners about how to start creating out of nothing? A certain degree of it is you need some expertise to be able to, you know, really dig deep into something. And that's that 
that depth of knowledge. And so Rod was talking about, you know, managing all these external changes and all that chaos and, you know, change being constant. And and you kind of need to almost insulate yourself from that a little bit. And so like, if you have a leader, then hopefully they're taking account of all these shifting variables and everything and kind of keeping that work breakdown structure and roles and responsibilities really clear. So if you're an expert, you can stay and like do your code and think really hard about things and give yourself that time and space. The worst thing is if you have someone instructing you and every single day there's a new thing on fire and then Mm -hmm. the experts, you know, they're constantly shifting focus and then not digging deep into anything. So I guess like from the creating out of nothing aspect i think you yeah you need that quiet and that time and that space and so like i think as a leader you kind of need to give that to people if you're doing something that requires that so rod before we let you off the hook today you got to tell us one of your secrets of success across all of the experiences you've had and where you're heading into the future what's one of those constants that breaks you out of the pack and provides you the success that you have obviously have had and will continue to have? I think two things. One is love what you do. If you don't love what you do, you have to find something you love to do. But you can love what you do right now. And just every single accomplishment, celebrate with yourself. So if we have a new program to build and I have to build a team, Every team member I bring to the table and, you know, score a deal, I celebrate even with myself. And then I'll let Oliver, let everybody know that we, we have one from five we're building, two, three. Every, every single accomplishment, I celebrate it. And, and that what makes, you know, uh, this connection between what you, what, what yourself and what you do. That's how you love what you do. Celebrate your accomplishments. And the other thing is learn. And again, we just talked about change and the world is changing every minute. And if we stay with, keep the knowledge that we have today, tomorrow we will be behind. So mm-hmm. we have to learn. Today with technology, a lot of, venues, a lot of channels that you can learn from, whether you want to read a book or podcast, watch video videos, uh, watch. There's a lot of things in the world now you can learn from and uh, read, like read articles. Sometimes you don't need to have a, a whole book to learn something. So a lot of small articles. So I, I read every day. I do read books, but not necessarily I have to read a book every day. I have to learn something every day. Sometimes from a conversation with somebody, I learn something. Sometimes, you know, a team member, have a chat with them, a monthly meeting, and I learn something from them. Sometimes uh, I watch YouTube. I love, you know, sitting on lunch sometimes if I'm in the office by myself. My not eat lunch alone is my YouTube, you know, watch something there. So uh, learn something from there. And um, if there is a new project that have, requires new skills, I seek to learn these skills. If it requires certification, we'll, we'll do that. If it requires just, you know, training, we'll do that. Learning makes people comfortable with what they do. And once they start being comfortable, they'll be successful. Once they be successful, they'll celebrate their win. 
And that's how they love their job. I think that's the two things, you know, learn always and love what you do. These two leads to, you know, you know, success and, and a lot of connection with, with not just with the job, but with the people, uh, your people. Uh, I, like you said, I enjoyed my lunch today with uh, Lucas and I learned from him. We, we talked a little bit about some technology and, and I learned today something new. And, and we build this, continue to build this relationship. And we talked about some future projects to, to accomplish. So, I mean, we, we really enjoyed the lunch and we talked about stuff casually. I didn't plan for it. But because we love what we do here and we have this good relationship, I think we're already accomplishing stuff without even we thinking mm. about it. So uh, love what you do and learn a lot. So that's great. Thank you. Lucas, you get the last question for Rod. What's on your mind? You were talking about like how you like to manage, you know, those kinds of projects that are blank slate and so especially with tech specific to managing and leading technical projects that that you think you've learned or what what really attracts you to them i guess so planning and specifically deliberate planning uh, understanding not just the need but what's going on in the world you're building a new project a technology project you're building new technology who's going to use it what competition in the market what other environmental impacts, what today's world look like impacting this product that you're going to deliver. So uh, that leads to, you know, deliberate planning. You just not, not just plan for a project, but plan for all the aspects that surrounding the project. Look at the results. Imagine your result, your product, and it's going to go out to the world. How is it going to work? How is it going to be accepted? What other competing uh, products in the market, how people perceive it. So detailed planning and deliberate planning will, would lead to the right implementation. Having in mind the coaching culture, the agile, the servant leadership, intergenerational, we, these concepts we talk about. Keeping also in mind, planning should end at some point so you can start executing because can't, planning can't take forever. You can put the best plan t together, but if you don't kick off your execution, so you have to have a, a hard line between. Although you're, you know, you're from technology, so you, you, agile, always planning could be elaborating as you execute when you do sprints. At least for your sprint level, you have to have the, the plan set, and then so you can execute that sprint. So, uh, but you have to have deliberately plan and solicit feedback from the team. Engage your team in the plan so they have the buy-in in it. With the stakeholders, when I say team, stakeholders, everybody in the project, because you don't have a buy-in if you come up with the plan just by yourself. Well, thanks so much for being here. It's always a pleasure. I could tell stories about our times together all day long. So we'll see you soon. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, JR. I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for having me here. Appreciate it. Well, that concludes this episode of Building a Coaching Culture. I truly hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe stop and give us a rating or a review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>